Welcome to the Community of Faith podcast, where you will hear the exposition of God's Word taught by Rev. Patrick Parham, pastor of Faith Community Fellowship in Bristol, Tennessee. If you are in the Bristol area and would like to visit, please join us for Sunday morning worship beginning at 10 a.m. If you're not able to join us in person, join us online. Visit our website, faith-cf.org. That's faith-cf.org. Or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash faithcommunityfellowshipbristol. That's all one word, Faith Community Fellowship Bristol. Here at Faith Community Fellowship, our goal is to ensure that what we do is edifying to our Heavenly Father, and we hope that this podcast is a blessing to you. Let's join Pastor Pat as he brings us God's Word. Going back to 2 Corinthians today, we'll be finishing up chapter 8 and looking in chapter 9. And I wanted to, to deal with the rest of the topic that is in those chapters in one sermon. And so we will go ahead. I won't read all of that portion, but I'll read select verses and we'll try to walk through this if the Lord will let us. And we'll begin at verse 10 with our Bible reading for this morning. And in this I give my advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it. That is, there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much has nothing left over, he who gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. Now go down to verse 24. Therefore show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. Concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know your willingness, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority, skipping down to verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for a good work. And then let's go over to verse 12. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Let's pray. Lord, how wonderful it is to look into Your Word. To look for principles and guidelines that will help us walk close to You. 
Now be with us as we look at this topic of giving and liberality and help us to see how it is a method through which we can not only serve You, but bring glory and honor to Your name. Walk with us through these verses and through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Show us what we need to know, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I know it's been a little while, but you remember that last time I had begun a new topic. Paul does here in chapter 8. Up until that time, he had kind of gone back and forth. He was commending the Corinthian Christians about their handling of the situation of the man that had been living in sin with his father's wife. But now he's moved on from that and he is speaking in terms of generous liberality and giving. And he says that the Corinthians example has been an encouragement to the churches of Macedonia. He reminds them that he had sent Titus on purpose to spur them on to the completion of this work. And we stopped up at verse 9 last time I was here where Paul pointed out, like any good preacher would, the example of our Lord. He was rich for your sakes. He became poor that you through his poverty might become rich. And this, uh, this basically stating what Paul is trying to say is we cannot outgive the Lord. It just can't be done. And so he gives the purpose or, or the statement there that how much Christ and God have done for us. And so he continues this subject all the way through chapter 9. He begins first with encouraging us to rely upon God. You see, we're not willingly going to be looking for ways to help others if we're not convinced in our own minds that God's going to take care of us. If we're not convinced of that, we're going to think, well, we've got to do that. And consequently, I can't help this person over here because I might need it later. And that type of thing. The next verse, he's picking up around verse 16, going on into chapter 5, talks about that is in this, well, in all Christianity, but in particular in, in handling of money, you got to be above reproach. Not only do we have to do it without sin, it has to be done in such a way that everybody knows it was done that way. Without reproach. And then in chapter 9, verse 6, he begins to remind us of God's blessings on the life. And there again goes back to the concept, the idea that if we're going to help others, then we have to believe that God is helping us and blessing us and we'll continue to do so. And then the topic closes out with, as we should do in all of life, to give God the glory. To give God the glory. So as you look in chapter 8, beginning around verse 10 there, you see God supplies the needs not only of the ones that are receiving the gift, but the ones who are giving the means of the gift as well. He's speaking of both the ones being helped and the ones helped. And he said, I give this as advice. He said, I want you to go ahead and do what you have desired to do for a long time. He said, don't let that opportunity go by. Don't let it go by. He said, I want you to complete your plan of what you thought about, uh, readiness you had there in verse 11. But so once a good work is started, he said, go ahead and complete it. Finish up what you wanted to do and have a willing mind in verse 12. Paul is dealing with motivation. And that's always important. We need to have the right motivation because God looks at the heart. 
Think out of your mind. God looks at the heart, not on outward appearances. You remember back when the Israelites chose Saul to be their king, their first king, and they looked at him. He was a head taller than everybody else. He was a handsome man. They said, "This is the man we want for our king." But then, when he failed, God chose David, just the youngest of all his brothers. He was a good-looking man, but he wasn't comparable to Saul. And he said, "But I look at the heart, not on outward appearances. I look at the heart." So we need to do what we can. God looks at our heart. He says, I want you to have a willing mind and do according to what one has, not what he doesn't have. Now what is he trying to say there? He wants us to do what we can. You see, a lot of times we, being including myself, we'll sit around dreaming about what we can't do, or we might even flatter ourselves to think about what we would do if we could. But in the meantime, we aren't doing anything. But everybody has needs. In verse 13, he said, I don't want you to be burdened just so somebody else can be eased. God's aware of our individual situations. He loves us as His children. He doesn't want one to suffer just to help somebody else. At the same time, we shouldn't insist on our abundance at the expense of somebody that we know is in need. Think of the teaching of John on this topic over in 1 John 3. By this we know love. Because He laid down His life for us, and we ought also to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, shuts up his heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? And then you look at verse 15. As it is written, He who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Now if you go back and you read in the context in Exodus 16, where that quotation is coming from, God was talking about the manna. Daily food. Which one of us in here doesn't need daily food? You see, the point is He's talking about needs. He's not talking about desires or just something we might want. He is talking about needs here like food and clothing and housing. These types of things. He's not talking about other ideas. Uh, I mean, people might like to have cable TV, but you can live without it. Everybody likes to go on vacation, but we're not going to die if we don't get to. But there are needs, and that's what he's talking about here in verse 15. And then when we talked about verse 12, having a willing mind, he's asking, why are we doing what we do? Are we giving to help others to glorify God or to bring attention to ourselves? The one motivation serves the Father while the other serves ourselves. You see, we need to think about this when we get into this topic. And these verses, as we saw there in verse 13, I do not mean that others should be easy and you burdened. Uh, don't demand that we harm ourselves. I remember when I was a young man, Dale and I were married, but we hadn't been married very long. And I had a friend, and, 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 and we were in both, basically the same boat. We were young people, just been married a year or two, and, and we didn't really have any money. We was working just for basically minimum wage or a little bit above that, just barely getting by. And the preacher preached a big stirring sermon one day about how we needed to help the church. We needed to give more to the church. And I went over to Fred's house later on that week, and I, he said something to me about, you know what he had done? 
He went out and taken his credit card and borrowed five hundred dollars and gave it to the church. He didn't have the means to pay in that back. He just had to make the minimum payment and pay all that interest. That's not what God's talking about here. He doesn't want us to be burdened that somebody else could be eased. But we need to remember to keep our eyes upon the Lord, remembering how much He has done for us out of verse 9. We need to have faith in His Word that we can be used of God to help others and still be alright ourselves and that God can take care of us both. Jesus said over in the Sermon on the Mount, don't worry about things saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? After all these things the Gentiles seek, your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And as we go to the next point, as we give, we need to do so. Or anytime you're handling money, Especially other people's money, you need to be above reproach. He said, I want you to be without blame and honorable in all things. That's why he's sending Titus in verse 16. He's sending Titus and he's going to be talking about another brother that he sends along with Titus. Titus was a well-known Christian at that time. He was well-known in the area of Macedonia and in the area of Greece. And he was known as a co-worker of Paul's. Everybody trusted Titus. He was well-respected by the early church. And the other brother that mentions in 18th through the 20th verses was, I don't know who he was. Some people think Silas. Some think Apollos. It really doesn't matter. But he was also known for his fidelity to the gospel message. He had been chosen by the churches to help carry out the mission. They were both men that people respected and would feel good with handling this particular ministry. He wanted Christians to work together honorably. And he sums that concept up in verse 21, providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men, in the sight of everybody involved. Be diligent. Be honorable. Be loving. In verse 22, he sent the brother, whom we have often proved diligent, And he expressed confidence in the Corinthians in verse 24. Therefore chose them the and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. He's saying, I'm giving you an opportunity now to to match your walk with your talk. And I've been boasting about you now. I want you to step up to the plate, so to speak, and take care of these things. And as we're going over into chapter 5, he said, it's superfluous. He says, I don't need to write all these things to you. I'm just trying to cover everything, but I don't need to read a harp on it because I know that you are willing to do it. I know that you have a zeal to help others who are in need. He didn't write to to stir them up. He wrote to make sure that they were on the right track so that when people came from the Macedonian churches, they wouldn't be caught off guard, so to speak. He wanted them not to be embarrassed or ashamed, but to give generously out of love. Verse 5, not as a grudging obligation or out of duty. You see, as we work for God, and this is in every area of life, we need to do it for His glory. Therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We need to express our love to God whom we have not seen by loving our fellow man whom we have seen. Beloved, let us love one another. Love is of God and everyone He loves is born of God and knows God. 
And the third point that I'm trying to want to bring out is to do this and to do it with a willing mind, to be willing to help others who are in need or in the Christian family and part with some of our possessions to do it. We need to be aware of God's blessings and give bountifully as you purpose in your heart. In verse 6 and 7, as you purpose in your heart, then carry it out. Carry it out. Give knowing that if we give out of love for God, His blessings are going to continue to flow upon us every day. The same principle in relation to another topic, tithing, is over in Malachi 3. Listen to these verses out of Malachi 3. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and prove me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings, that there will be not be room enough to receive it. Same concept is here. Said if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully, and do it as you purpose in your heart, because God loves a cheerful giver. You see, what do you and I have that we didn't receive from God? What do we have that God didn't give us? So we are meant to be conduits of God's blessings, not reservoirs. And we can give knowing that God has all sufficiency in verse 8 and 9. He is willing to give, so we ought to be willing to give also. In Proverbs, the Bible says, the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watering himself. God knows what we do and He's pleased when we do it from a cheerful heart. It is a method through which God's grace flows in abundance to and through us. He sees and He knows and He remembers. God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown in His name. In that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. That's out of Hebrews chapter 6. And give following the Lord's example. Our love for Him should show itself in our love for others. Think of the two greatest commandments that the Lord talked about over in Matthew 22. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then as we give and as we help others, we're not only to it relying upon God, we not only do it above reproach and without blame, and we not only do it concentrating on the blessings of God, but we want to do it in such a way that God gets the glory. That God gets the glory. In verse 10, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply, and what's it say? Multiply. Multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Increase the fruits of your righteousness. Over in Psalms, it says it this way, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You see, when we obey God in this matter of generosity, God's needy people, it says He's going to increase our fruits of righteousness. He's going to enrich us in everything and cause thanksgiving to become a way of life for us. 
and through us to others. Meaning that we will learn more and more how to recognize God as the source of every blessing and we'll live our lives with grateful hearts. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. It's time to seek the Lord till He comes and rains righteousness on you out of Hosea chapter 10. Another point we need to make that's brought out clearly in these verses 12 through 15. God normally, not always, but normally meets the needs of His saints through other saints. That's the way He operates. He supplies the needs, needs of the saints through his people. Now he doesn't have to. Certainly God can operate immediately. He did send the ravens and people to take care of Elijah when he was by the brook there. But his normal way of operating is through his people. You see, that gives us the great benefit of serving him. It gives us the knowledge that the creator and redeemer of our souls is allowing us the privilege of being used in service to others. That brings glory to God, brings good to others, and joy to us in our souls. This is the administration of this service. It not only supplies the need, but it is abounding through many thanksgivings, verse 12, to God. It is a basis, a spiritual basis of thanksgivings. And so, as we look at the next main point, our gifts gives the ones helped time and reason to glorify God. It gives them an opportunity to pray for the givers. And it gives them the privilege of thanking God for His grace in them. Thanking God for His grace in them. It proves our ministry. Verse 13. It proves our ministry. It proves that we love God enough to obey Him and we have grateful hearts in others as well as ourselves. And all of these points, all of them cause us as God's people to remember the great gifts of Christ and the Gospel. That's what he's talking about in verse 15. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. As we operate in the attitude of these chapters, this in turn causes us to think about and thank God for the magnitude of His love for us. Let me just give you a personal testimony. I think that's the right word I'm looking for. It might be confession. That's probably more like it. When I was a younger man in the 30s, in my 30s, Dale and I didn't have very much. And you know, that I knew these chapters were here, but I never read them. I knew what they taught, but I didn't like it. And I just ignored it. And I wouldn't do it. But I think that the Lord has worked through some of that stuff in me. And I think that these chapters here are part of the Word of God. I know they are. They're useful to the people of God. And they are means through which we can grow in the grace of God by giving and helping others. Now let me recount my, recount my main points. To biblically give, to help others, 
requires, it requires a reliance upon God. You remember the story when Jesus was sitting in the temple and He sat opposite the treasury and He watched the people as they put money in the treasury and these rich people would come by and they'd throw in a little bit of money. And later on, this poor widow came in and she threw in two mites, which is about a quadrants, and He said she gave more than everybody else because she gave everything she had. Now, if she gave everything she had, how in the world do you think she thought she was going to live tomorrow? She had a reliance upon God. She had a firm reliance upon God. Also, when we serve our fellow man, as I pointed out, it needs to be without reproach, demonstrating love by our actions. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. To give cheerfully, as it's talking about there in chapter 9 and verse 7, we need to be aware constantly of God's blessings upon us. If we consistently recognize His goodness, it's going to do a whole lot toward causing us to be good to our fellow man. And we need to approach this area of service just like we would any other with a goal of bringing glory to God. God supplies our need. God increases the fruit of our righteousness. God enriches us in everything. God is the one who works His marvelous grace in us. He sent Jesus to die for us, even when we were yet sinners. And He sent the wonderful Gospel into our lives, forgiving us of our sins and making us into sons and daughters of God. As He ends up the chapter 9 here, thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank You for the gift of Jesus Christ. We do thank You that in Your mercy You sent someone to talk of the Gospel in our lives. That You extended mercy to sinners such as we and saved our souls. We thank You for Your blessings and we thank You for watching over us and meeting our daily needs and far, far beyond that. And so we ask that when opportunities arise for us to give to others, that we would see it for what it truly is, an opportunity to bring glory to You, the giver of every good and perfect gift. We love You in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Pat, for another wonderful message from God's Word. I hope that you have enjoyed listening to Pastor Pat's message. If this has been a blessing to you, please like and follow this podcast and give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. If you would like to support this ministry and the other ministry opportunities at Faith Community Fellowship, please visit our website, faith-cf.org. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Community of Faith.